Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Tonight we're going to talk about stewardship. And now the first place your mind goes when I say the word stewardship is what? Money. Stewardship involves a whole lot of stuff, folks. And as I was sitting there in church this weekend, you know, sometimes God talks to me during church about, about what I'm going to be ministering on on Wednesday nights. And so I just started writing some things down. And I'm going, oh, my heavens, that's quite the list here, Lord. How can we do this in one Wednesday night? But we're going to give it a try. So, anyway, you know, we get all wrapped up sometimes, and, you know, especially in a word church, we're talking about, about our rights in Christ and who we are in Christ and what belongs to us and, and what we have and, and how we can take authority over the devil. And it's all wonderful because we have such wonderful rights in him. They're ours, bless God, and we can insist on them and we can expect them to come to pass in our lives. But did you know that there's also something called responsibilities? There are responsibilities that come to us as a result of being part of the family of God, part of being a child of God. We have responsibilities where the things of God are concerned. And stewardship is part of that responsibility that we need to take a, take a look at. Um, you know, Brother Steve said it on Sunday night, and I'll say it again, but, but uh, in, you find over in Matthew where the word says that Jesus came not to, to be served, but to serve. And I don't care who you are in the body of Christ, whether you're just a brand new believer or whether you've been in the ministry for 50 years, you know, you are still a servant. You're still a servant. I have no problem getting right there in the middle of babies. I have no problem with cleaning something that needs to be cleaned up. I have no problem doing anything because my heart is to be a servant. I, I, we were out in California back in, um, uh, when, let's see, what is this? Where was it October? Oh, yeah, October. Went out to the ladies' conference. And I found myself with a little bit of time on my hands one night after the service, after the, the fellowship time was over, just kind of waiting around for something. And I mean, it was one day. And so I just started picking stuff up off the tables, you know, and taking it back to the kitchen. And one of the girls in the kitchen, she said, Pastor Angel, what are you doing? I said, I'm here to be a servant. I have no problem being, she said, why do you do that? I said, because I want to serve. You know, I am not, I am not above and nothing is beneath what I will do. You know, because that's the heart of a servant is to do whatever needs doing. You see something that needs doing, you do it. You don't wait for somebody to come along and ask you nicely, would you mind? With no, the heart of a real servant is to say, listen, I see something needs to be taken care of. I'll do it. I'll do it. And so you just get in there and you, and you do it. Jesus had that same philosophy. And if we're going to be like him, we have to maintain that same attitude that we are servants. We will always be servants. Somebody may wind up serving you at some point, but you are never above serving someone else. Because really, ultimately, who we're serving is the Lord himself. That's where it all comes down to. Anything you do is part of serving him. But in serving him, stewardship is a major thing. Now, what is a steward? Uh, I just went to the dictionary. Good place to go. Who's, what's a steward? You know, this is a noun. It is a person. It is a position. A steward. One who manages another's property or financial affairs. Second definition, one who administers anything as the agent of another. Now, what verse does that lead you to when I say that? One who administers anything as the agent of another. How about we're all being called as ambassadors for Christ? An ambassador is a representative who serves the interest of his home country in a foreign land. You and I are strangers and pilgrims in this land. We're here to be ambassadors. We're here to be agents. We're here to be stewards for the Lord Jesus himself. You know, and you can look at it and say, well, you know, I, I don't know about that. Listen, you have a right to make a choice at any point in your walk with God. 
When he asks you to do something, when he leads you to do something, when you know you're supposed to do something because the word says you're supposed to do something, you have a right to make the choice. But ultimately, God has the right to speak into your life. He's got a right to say some things about your actions, your plans, your purposes, your attitudes, your motives. He has a right to speak into your life, but you have a right to choose. That's what makes this thing so wonderful is that God has given us the choice so that when we walk with him, he knows we do it from a heart that has chosen him. And when we don't, it's obvious that we have chosen ourselves. It's only one or the other. Either you choose God in your actions, your conduct, and everything about your life, or you choose him. Which one is it, you or him? Personally, you know, I want to go back over to this verse, over and go with me to 1 Corinthians verse 6, or chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Hallelujah. Verse 19 says, what? He's trying to get your attention. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own. You are bought with a price. You know, the first thing we need to consider in stewardship is the fact that we're not our own. We're working for somebody else. We're managing the assets, the interest, the affairs of someone else. God cannot do that in this earth apart from the physical hands and feet and bodies and brains and everything that we are. He can't do it without us. And so we're the agents been sent here. We're not our own. We really, when you look at it, we are not free to make our own decisions. We're not free, if we're going to follow him, we're not free to make those choices. We really have to consult him and see what his choices are. You know, the person who is a great secretary or a great worker who works under somebody will always find out what the person they work for, or what that, that person is like, how they like to do things, how they like to have things done, what kind of decision they would make in any given situation, and train themselves to think like the person they're employed by so that they can fulfill the mandate of their job to the fullest extent. Well, you know, that's part of being a steward of the things of God. 2 Corinthians 5 18, you're, you're quite close. Just turn back a page. No, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians. You'll have to turn more than one page, sorry. Second Corinthians 5, verse, well, no, let's just go, well, no, let's do 18. Okay, it says, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, I, you know, when somebody hires a steward, they give them something, they give them a task. He has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. But listen to these other translations. One translation, Canterbury translation says, he has charged me with the ministry of reconciliation. The Moffat translation says, he has permitted me. He has permitted me to be a minister of his reconciliation. That implies that it's a great honor. He has permitted me. He looked at me and counted me as somebody who was able, who was worthy, who was up to the task of being a minister of his reconciliation. How awesome is that? When you stop and think, it's an honor. We shouldn't look at anything as just an absolute duty. We should look at it as it's an honor to be called to the things of God. It's a privilege that he wants to use me to do something. We should look at it always in those terms. The New English Bible says he has enlisted us in this service of reconciliation. Sorry, I'm running you off, Pastor. He has enlisted us 
in this service of reconciliation. I mean, when you really stop and put things in perspective, you know, it, it, it takes on new meaning. It takes on a new vitality. It takes on a new depth of perception and just, just overwhelmed by the possibility that God wants to use me. I mean, isn't that wonderful? First Peter 4.10 says, As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The Amplified Version of that says, As befits good trustees of God's many-sided grace, faithful stewards of the extremely diverse powers and gifts granted to Christians by unmerited favor. I'm telling you what, each one of us has been given a gift. Number one, the gift of new life, the new birth, the new creation that's on the inside. That's, that's the gift. But with it, as soon as we received that gift came assignments. Came assignments. He's given each one of us assignments. We talk about, you know, you can go back and you can find, you know, where it talks about each one's been given gifts, you know, uh, differing, several, he's given them to him severally as he wills. Everyone has been given an assignment. And we need to be good stewards of the assignment that he's given to us. But here's the thing. First Corinthians 7, verse 23. He that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise, also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. You are bought with a price. Be ye not servants of men. Tells me that we need to make sure that our heart is always towards serving him and not people. You know, even within the body of Christ, when you keep the, the attitude that you're serving God, not people, then you don't get nearly as disappointed in people. And, the, and what people do or don't do doesn't sway you and affect you and cause you issues and all of that because you're doing this for God. You're his servant. And then Romans eight fourteen says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. So what are you? You're called, you're ambassadors, you're children, you're trustees, you're stewards of so many things. So I've got a list here of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, I think, things. And we'll just touch on them. I'm not going to make a, I'm not going to make a whole series out of this. I just want to get through all of these tonight. Um, but one of the, the last one is the one that really God put on my heart for the, for mostly. So, but I'm, we're going to touch on, on these. Number one, finances. God has put, has, listen, he's the source of everything you have. He is the source. Without him, you don't have anything. You know, there are plenty of people today who have billions of dollars, but I'm telling you what, if they came down with a terminal disease, their, their millions and billions of dollars are not worth a cent if it, if, they, if it can't save their lives. But Jesus has already declared healing to us. So anyway, uh, you go with me to Genesis 12, verse 2. Genesis, we won't spend a lot of time here, although you could, you know, this, this could be for some other time, 12 verse 2. It says, he's talking to Abram, and he said, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. You know, the purpose of God blessing you is so you can be a blessing, but to keep it all in perspective, I want you to go over to, oh my goodness, did I write that down? Yes, I did. Uh, Deuteronomy 8.18. I made some last minute changes and didn't know which version I'd printed off the computer. Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. So why has God blessed you to be a blessing? That sounds, well, that's just very big and broad. He's blessed you to be a blessing. But here, here is the, the nuts and bolts of the thing. 
In verse 18, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is to this day. That is the purpose of him blessing you. That is the purpose of you being a blessing, is to establish his covenant, not to use up everything he gives you on yourself. I mean, I told you last week about the fact that I grew up poor. And so for me, you know, getting some money in my hands as, you know, as, as we began to prosper was like, it was hard for me to let go of that because I never knew, would I, would we have enough? Would we have that, that fear thing was there. Will you have enough? Oh, if I give it away, I won't have enough for us. Won't have enough for me. But he is blessing you so that you can be a blessing. And by your being a blessing, you are establishing his covenant in this earth. The gospel is free, but getting it to people takes money. Getting the gospel in people takes money. Sometimes getting that gospel doesn't mean sending it to a missionary. It doesn't mean sending it to or giving it to a guest speaker. It doesn't mean sending it to another ministry. It doesn't even mean putting it in your local church necessarily. You know, sometimes it means giving a stranger 10 bucks and getting their attention so you can share the gospel with them. Don't go around with no cash in your hand. Don't go around with no cash in your pocket. What if God says to you, I want you to take, you see that person over there standing over there by that counter? I want you to go give them 20 bucks. And you go, I don't have any cash. Hello, stop that. Keep a little stash somewhere. So that if God talks to you, expect him to talk. See, nobody, there are some people who don't expect God to ever say anything like that to them because they're not open to hearing it. You're getting back in the same position I was in. Oh, if I, if I give this away, I won't have any left for me. I, I'm building a house right now. And I've had more opportunities in the last month to give than all squished together in one time. Honest to goodness, I'm going, okay, Lord, you're setting me up for a blessing. Amen. You're setting me up and my house is well supplied. You know, but don't go around with nobody. I know you live in the age of debit cards. And credit cards and your app on your Apple app, you know, Apple Pay. But there's sometimes it takes good old greenbacks to put into somebody's hand. We were at Four Rivers one time and, and there was a, a young lady there that was bussing some of the tables and the Lord, you know, laid it on Pastor's heart to go give her some money. And, and you'd, you'd think well, somebody's going, okay, well, okay, oh, this is great. You know, somebody gave me some money, I'll use it. And you know what the first thing she said was, thank you. I'm going on a missions trip and I've been believing God for money. You don't know. It might be somebody's last dime. You know, they can't, they can't. I mean, they're wondering how can I get this, this a gallon of gas? How can I, how, be a blessing. Be prepared to be a blessing. He's blessed you so that you can be a blessing. But you need to be a good steward over what God gives you. Um, Luke 16, 11 says, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, and one version, the Norley translation says, in money matters, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Listen, I've, you know, in my money management, you know, uh, things that we've done in the past, I've made the statement and I'll make it again because it stands as true today as it ever has. And that is no amount of faith can make up for poor money management. You are to be a good steward of what God gives you and that he intends for you to use for yourself. Don't waste it on frivolous stuff. You know... Budgets are not a four-letter word. They really aren't. Have a budget. You know, we could talk about this all night, but I'm not going to. But in a, you have a budget, you, you leave space for those little extras, those little fun things or those little giving things. And my budget, I've got X amount of dollars here that is undesignated every single week. And, and I just stack it up, store it up. And if God says do something with this, then we do something with this. If he tells me, otherwise, I save it for something else. You know, I've got lots of opportunities in the next year to, to spend it on lots of different things that apply just to me. And you know, he's going to let me spend a lot of that on just me. But he's also going to tell me sometimes to give it to somebody. But in the meantime, don't waste what he's given you. 
I have seen people over the years who, I, I remember this one young couple years ago, he got paid, the job he was on got paid once a month. They went out to eat every day just about for the first two weeks and by the end of the month they had no money, couldn't pay their, pay their electric bill. Somebody comes and says, well, you, you know, so-and-so can't pay their electric bill. You think the church ought to help? And I'm going, if you feel led to help them, you help them. I know too much. You know, it's what I'm, th- I didn't say that, but I'm thinking, if you feel led to help them, you help them. You are the church. See, it's easy to be free with somebody else's money, but when it comes to your money, when it comes to your money, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to do? Don't give just any old place unless you're led of God to do it because you don't ever know. If somebody's a bad money manager, God doesn't really want to keep stacking that up and, and propping up their poor business sense. Okay. All right. Because the Bible talks about if you're faithful in a little, he'll make you faithful in much. Listen, when it comes to, when it comes to, if you can't be faithful when you're making a hundred bucks, don't think God's going to bless you with a thousand. My own father, you know, was a faithful tither all of his life. And when he sold his, his property and, and netted a million dollars on it, that was going to be his retirement, he tithed on a million dollars. Now, his, his uh, financial guy goes, oh, and no, you know, we're tithing. The person who won't tithe on 100 is not going to find themselves blessed with 1,000 to tithe on or 10,000 to tithe on. Or 100000 to tithe on. You have to start now. You can't wait till the ship comes in. Your ship is already in and it's $100. Your ship's already here. Do something with the ship you got. Amen. Finances, let's move on. How about marriage? God expects us to be good stewards of a marriage. If you're in a marriage, if you're not, you know, you can take notes on what it would be like. But there are plenty of verses in the, in the, in the New Testament that talk about how husbands and wives treat each other. You can go look at But be a good steward of that relationship. If you're not a good steward of it, you won't have it for very long. Or if you do have it, it'll be miserable. I mean, the, I mean growing up, my parents growing up in the, in the age that they grew up in, they had what was... And what was called a traditional marriage didn't matter what happened you were you stayed together i mean it was it could be it could be hell on earth but you stayed together that's not how god intends marriage to be but if we approach it the way god has seen fit to lay out in the word and we steward that relationship to, to steward something means that you take care of it. When you go into marriage, you ought to go into it with the, the idea that this thing is so valuable to me that I will fight tooth and nail to preserve it. I will do whatever it takes to keep it together. I will do what God tells me to do regardless of how I feel about it and I will make this work. I don't care how ornery he is, I will pray for him. Not take the frying pan to him. Although there's been times when I thought maybe a frying pan might be a good answer. <laughs> but you, you have to steward those kind of relationships. Even, I have, seen, I have seen times when even when somebody got married and they shouldn't have gotten married at all, now that you're married, I mean, this, honey, this is where we're at. This is where we are. And instead of, instead of complaining about their spouse, they should have been praying for them. They should have been saying, Lord, what can I do? You know, the Bible talks about, about an unbelieving husband being sanctified by the wife. There are ways to steward a marriage, and you need to do that. How about children? Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. It says, the way. Not a way, but the way. What is the way? God's way. You've got plenty of resource in this book right here to help you raise children. You need to be a good steward of that. It doesn't start when they're teenagers. It starts when they're conceived. Starts when they're conceived. You begin to pray over them. There are people in the Bible you can see where God gave them instruction for their child before they were even born. 
They were beginning to steward that child before they were even born. There are things that God will talk to you about when you have children, ways you need to handle certain things, the way you need to guide them and lead them. The Bible talks about, about a child that shooting them straight as an arrow. You need to make sure that you have your children trained in such a way that they're, they're, the arrow is pointed in the right direction and that it's accurately going where God wants it to go. Um, Genesis 18, 19 says, talking about Abraham, he says, for I know him. Uh, does God know you? Does God know you where your children are concerned? He said about Abraham, I know him. That he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. I know him. I know him. There is a stewardship. Listen, the little ones that are born into our families the ones that we, we either give birth to, adopt, foster, whatever, the ones that God has entrusted, they belong to him. It's his asset that you're stewarding. That child is his asset. And as a steward, it's your responsibility to manage and manage well the assets of the one who gave that to you. We have a responsibility. I know there are times when it seems hard. And I know there are times when it just seems easier, seems easier just to throw up your hands and go, oh, just too much. Just let them do whatever they want. See, as a child, I learned how to do that. I learned how to bug my mother so much that she would finally give in. I did it with a smile. Not in a rebellious way, but it was still rebellion because I didn't take no for an answer to start with. Um, but even though it was with a smile, you know, I just wore her down you know, at times, you know, and, and she'd give it, listen, train up a child in the way he should go. That means there's a way you need to find. You need to steward them. You need to train them. I don't care how difficult it might be. The end result is so worth it. The end result, to know that you've raised a child in a way that brings glory to God, that they have been brought up, that they are good, wonderful, stable, steadfast believers that you can put out into the world, you know, and, and for them to take on the world, you know, for themselves. It's one of the biggest blessings of my life. It is. But we have to be stewards of that. He's not my child. He's God's child that he's entrusted me with to raise. And he expects me to use my stewardship of this in such a way to produce the optimal Christian child as becoming an adult. Okay. Amen. See, we, I said we could spend all night on some of these. How about relationships? God has made us to be social beings, has made us to be people that, that individuals, I mean, you, there are animals in the animal kingdom that are just loners. He never intended for me and you to be loners, never. And so for us to be in relationship with anybody, whether it's a friend, whether it's a coworker, whether it's a boss, whether it's a, you know, a relative, no, no matter who it is, he intends for us to be in relationships. And in the middle of those relationships, we find the ability and the opportunities to knock the edges off of each other. You know, we, we find ourselves in places where we actually have to practice walking in love. We actually have to practice being tolerant of one another. We actually have to practice preferring someone else. We have to actually practice submitting ourselves to somebody else. We actually have to do these things. And it's good for us. It really is. You know, um, one of the first places, that, you know, of course, that I went to today is 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. You know, and obviously we go to the very first place we go with that, you know, is in, is in romantic relationships, you know, you know, man, woman, that kind of stuff. But you know what? It's not necessarily just that. Your children's best friends should not be worldly friends. They should be godly friends. I mean, there's a place for us to befriend people who are not born again. I mean, that's how you get them born again. You befriend them, but you don't make them their, your closest relationships until that situation has changed. And yet too often, you know, it happens. 
It happens in romantic things. It happens in, you know, there are people who let their children associate with, with kids who are unbelievers. Listen, unless you're going to stay right there with them 24-7, you don't know what they're doing. Oh, Mom, he's a good guy. How do you know that? I'm a Ronald Reagan fan. Trust but verify. You know, I mean, I don't care who you went out with. You know, if, if you have a problem with me checking up on you, then we have a problem. Anybody who's doing what they ought to be doing, where they're supposed to be, has no problem on me checking up. Okay? It says, be not un unequally yoked. Um, you, you find so much in the New Testament about loving one another. I mean, you can go through, you can go through all kinds of, of places in the Bible, the New Testament, where it, it says that we're known because of our love for one another. And so in relationships, you need to steward those relationships. Whatever they are, there is a, there is a manual right here for you to be able to find out how you should treat somebody and how you should react to them. You know, God doesn't want you to stay in relationships that are detrimental to you. Never, he doesn't want you to put you in, yourself in a position where you're constantly being harassed and bombarded. And that. There are times when God will put you in a, in a place where, you know, it's, it's hard. But if you'll look at it this way, if you know you're where you're supposed to be and it seems very hard, understand that God has you there for a purpose. Somebody needs what you have. You are going to be a light to someone in that situation. Don't give up until God says enough. There will come a time, you know, when God will if, give this person or, or this situation space to change. And if the refusal from that other side comes and they will not change, will not make a difference, God will release you from that. So just know there are times when God sends you into difficult situations. But he's sending you in there to shine a light, to be salt in that situation. Steward your relationship so that you know which one that is. Maybe you're in the wrong place. Maybe you're in the right place, but it's tough. Figure that out and then move on with the things of God. Uh, how about possessions? This is just a very natural thing, but it kind of goes back to faithfulness. He that's faithful in a little be faithful in much. You need to steward the things that God gives you, the things that God gives you. Now, we got married, you know, we were very young, 16 and 17. We, we lived with my parents for just a couple of months, you know, and then we actually were, God blessed us, I, you know, in his mercy, he blessed us, and we were able to move out to a place of our own, you know, and, and uh, actually, it was the first, the first place that was ever ours was brand new. It was a 10 by 50 trailer that came furnished, you know, and so I'm about to have my second new house, you know, but that first one was a blessing. So we moved out, we moved out, we sold it, you know, we moved on after that. But when we moved on, we, we sold all the furniture that came with the trailer with the trailer. And so we were back to like, uh, I don't got nothing now, okay? Anybody ever heard of early matrimony furniture? Everybody else's hand-me-downs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my sister-in-law, we moved to this place, and we, and we had no couch, and we didn't have, we had, we had a bed, we had a mattress, and it was the mattress and the box springs on the floor for the about first six months until we could actually get an, a, a bed frame to put it on. But anyway, that, that was good. But, you know, we came, we had a place, we had no couch, no living room stuff. So pastor was working someplace, and he found some pallets, and this was before the day of pallet furniture being very chic. <laughs> and so we got pallets, and we stacked them up to make end tables. Okay. My sister-in-law was getting rid of a couch, and uh, it was threadbare. And you're wondering, oh, my goodness. Yeah, okay. <sighs> yes, we were serving God at the time and tithing and expecting his blessings. But, yes, I need a couch to sit on. So we got that couch, threadbare as, as it was. But you know what? I just put, took a cover, covered it, you know, with an old spread, you know, and was thankful for what I had and kept it neat. It was always tucked in when I could get Pastor off the couch. You know, when he got off the couch, I tucked it back all in. And uh, oh, bless his heart, he's not in here. Um, but I, I took care of whatever God gave me. Some people think, well, I've only got this old radio car. What difference does it make? 
it makes a lot of difference. Clean that ratty old car. Don't let it become the rolling dumpster. Don't let it become the thing that everybody goes, oh, you know, look at that old. Somebody comes along and puts wash me on the outside because it's so bad. Take care of what God gives you. That's called stewardship of possessions. If you're not thankful for what you already have, you will not put yourself in a place to have more. Because you'll always be looking for something better, something better. Listen, I am expecting something better, but I am grateful for what I have right now. I am grateful. I may be living in a rented house, but I'm taking better care of that house, well, as good a care of that house as if it belonged to me. That's the people of God ought to be showing that kind of stewardship with anything that they have. They ought to be taking such good care. Don't, you know, it's, my landlord right now, he's, he, he, he's such a little blessing. He really is. You know, and he'll, he's always, every, he gets a chance, and he'll tell us, I just thank you guys for being such good tenants. Thank you for being such good renters. You're just so wonderful. You're just so wonderful. You're just so wonderful. I've heard horror stories about other people who've rented their properties out and, and how bad it was and how people didn't take care of it and abuse it. And I'm going, I'm thinking, I hope none of those people are, are Christians because that's, that's a slap in the face of God. That is a slap in the face of God. I don't care, especially if it doesn't belong to you. We ought to be taking great care of it. If it's an old car, fine, wash it. Clean it out. Keep it clean. Put the trash in the, in the garbage can where it belongs, not in the back seat. Amen. Hallelujah. How about your time? Ephesians 5 Ephesians 5, I'm not, even, I'm not even to where I wanted to go tonight. Ephesians 5 talks about redeeming the time, the amplified version. Go over there. You're not very far. You're, you're in Luke, I think. So let's go to Ephesians real quick. Ephesians 5, 16 through 7, 15 through 16. Uh, yeah. See that you walk circumspectly. That means with exactness, carefully, purposefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. What does that mean, redeeming time? It means buying up every opportunity. There are opportunities presented to us every single day where our time is concerned. Use it wisely. Use it wisely. Don't waste so much time. I am talking to myself tonight as much as I'm talking to anybody in all of these areas. So don't think I'm up here just giving you a hard time. I was telling Miss Iris, she stopped in the office. You were talking about something, and, and I laughed. I said, you know, I'm going to use this one day, and I think I'm going to use it right now. You know, when, when people, you know, get to, on a certain topic and they go, oh, well, you know, I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. That usually means, it's, well, you people are here and you really don't need to hear it because, I mean, you already got it all together. And I said, but Lord reminded me that the devil fell out of the choir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm preaching to the choir. Don't take that as a pass that you can just ignore what I'm saying because the devil was in the choir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. Use your time wisely. Steward your time because he expects us to use our time to the best of our ability to promote, enhance, and enlarge the kingdom. So anyway, we'll move on from there. How about the word and the spirit? We ought to be good stewards of what we hear, of what we, of what we have, what God has given. Do you know how blessed you are with how much you know about the word? about how much you understand about the Word, how the Word has been opened up to you in such a way that generations before you haven't even seen. Nobody's ever seen it until this just last couple of generations. I mean, it's amazing. But here we are in, in 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 2. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers, the servants, the representatives, the officers of Christ, and stewards, trustees of the mysteries of God. 20th century says it like this, the hidden truths. Of God. Rotherham says, the sacred secrets of God. You're a steward of these things. Goodspeed says, as managers authorized to distribute the secret truths of God. And the Williams translation says, trustees to handle God's uncovered 
truths. It's incumbent on, upon us to be good stewards and to be a light wherever we go, to share what we have with other people about what we've seen in the Word and what works, what we know works. You know, I, I, I love what Brother Kevin said last Sunday. Uh, yeah, last Sunday. Uh, and he talked about your testimony. Nobody can argue with somebody who says, this is what God did for me. How can they argue with that? They might could argue with the word, but they can't argue with the testimony. So be prepared with the word. We, and have opportunity to use it. Don't slack off. Don't shrink back. Don't be too embarrassed. Take the word that you know and share it with somebody. Now, here's where I really wanted to go, and I have nine minutes. Your bodies. Romans 12, verse 1. Romans 12, verse 1. Hallelujah. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then we have to go back over to 1 Corinthians. It says, no, you're not, that your body. Well, keep your fingers in Romans, and then go back over to 1 Corinthians. You're just a couple of pages over. 6, verse 9, 19, that is. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. What does it mean, glorify God in your body? You need to be a demonstration of the health and healing that God provides. I... Um, I had this, this, that I wanted, I just wanted to say, you know, we, we had the Durant's here a week ago, you know, and, and she has a powerful ministry of, of healing right now, laying on of hands. I say this from a personal standpoint, personal experience, that there are many things that I wouldn't have to be standing and believing God for today if I had done what he told me to do years ago concerning my body. I've given you the example of how God dealt with me about getting off diet and sodas 11 years ago. And I went, okay, I'll do it. Cold turkey had to do it. I think I slipped up one time, and that's the last one I've had in 11 years. And a couple years after having gotten off of that, and I went back and I found out that the osteoporosis that had started in my bones was now normal. And he said, see, that's what you get for listening to me. There have been times, I know, the last few years, for a good long time, he's been dealing with me about diet and exercise. Yeah, okay, everybody talks about diet and exercise. You, know, you can do that if you want, but one day you might find yourself where, you, where I found myself last year. You go into a doctor's office and they said, You've got diabetes, and it's a wonder you're even walking because you should. You could possibly have been dead before you, if you'd been weighed, if you'd weighed any longer. Listen, if I had been doing what God told me to do five years before, I wouldn't be where I am now with that. Thank God we're dealing with it. Thank God we, you know, it's it's uh, He's helping me, you know, and and we're working on it, and it's and it's tremendously better. I mean, for somebody who had an A1C of 13. In September of 2017, it's down about six now. And I am looking for the day when I can get off all medication altogether. But it takes, and there are some things God doesn't have to heal us of if, he'll, if we'll do what he told us to do to start with. I am not the only person that God's been talking to. I'm not the only person that God's been saying, listen, do this. He wants to, re he wants to heal you, but there are, you know, I, I came out of that doctor's office last September in tears, and I called pastor, and I told her what she said, and, and of course, I knew when she called my house that morning and said, I want you in here this morning, that something was not good. Uh, I already knew pretty much what it was, but, you know, I, told, I called him, and I told him how bad it was. I mean, and, and I really didn't understand at the time how bad it really was. I didn't understand that. At 13, I should have been, I should have stroked already. And I'm just thanking God 
that in his mercy, he preserved my life and got me into a doctor and got me to where I, you know, I needed to be to get this thing under control. But as I got on the phone, I started crying and I said, I put myself in this situation. I did this to myself. But God in his great and wonderful mercy is if you find yourself in a place where you know there's some things you need to change and you're wondering, how can I possibly do this? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do what it takes. Am I telling you you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna succeed every single day? You're not going to slip up? No, because I really love cheesecake. I really do. And it's hard if somebody gives me cheesecake to just eat just a few bites of it and leave it alone. Because they tell you, oh, you can have a little bit of it. You can just don't have a little bit at a time. I'm not that kind of person. I'm sorry. You put a piece of cheesecake in front of me. I'm not going to have three bites. It's going to be as many bites as it takes until it's gone. I love my cheesecake. But God is still helping He's still helping me. There's a verse, a pastor mentioned this to me today in the office, and uh, and it's in Jeremiah 30, verse 17. It says, I will restore health to you and heal your wounds. I'll restore it. You know, there are just times when we put ourselves in that position, and I felt that way. I just felt like, oh, Lord, I, I, I... I've done this to myself. I don't, even, I don't even know how I can ask you to help me because I've just been so stupid. God is there. His mercies are new every morning. The Bible says that in Hebrews it says to come boldly before the throne where we may find mercy or find grace and obtain mercy. He's there to help. He's not going to slap you around and say, well, you did it, and I'm not about to, tell you to do anything for you. I told you so. That's not God. He's not going to do that. He's going to say, all right, here's what we're going to do. Let's put a plan together. Let's work on it. You can do this. We can turn this thing around. My current doctor, she, she's big on saying this, and this is just a natural standpoint, natural medical view. She says, exercise is the fountain of youth. It's the fountain of youth. And I'm going, all right, let's see, you go to the gym. But she's right. God says we need to exercise. He talks to us about it. He says it, it profits a little. Thank God for the little. But if you, want to be, if you want to be continuing to be active and free to do what you want to do in your old age, start now. Amen. Whatever God's talking to you about, there's a reason he's talking to you. There's a reason. Don't just slough it off and pass it off as, oh, that's just, you know, I'll think about it later. That's the gone with the wind syndrome. I'll think about it tomorrow. You know, no, think about it today. If he's talking to you, then you need to listen. That's called stewardship over your body. God wants us to walk in health. He doesn't want us always coming to him for healing. He wants us to get to a place where we walk in divine health. That's going to what it said over here in... uh, what was it? 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. It says, glorify, glorify God in your body. You know, it's, it's wonderful that I can say that, that God preserved my life until I could get to a doctor. It's wonderful. But w- for me, would it have not been better for me to have said yes to him when he started talking to me about diet and exercise? It's not as spectacular, but oh my heavens, it'd be a whole lot easier now. Listen, there are things. Get up and move. I worked for a doctor years ago. Leslie Morgan and I were working at the same doctor's office, and he was a fill-in doctor, and I mean, his, his answer for everything was walk. You know, walk, you know, raw vegetables, water, and walking. And this lady came in who was almost in a wheelchair. She had arthritis in her, in her knees. She was, she was overweight. And I'm not giving anybody a hard time about weight. Listen, I am working on it. I mean, there are days I go to the gym and I just have to talk myself into getting out of the car. 
you know. So, so, but I'm, I'm seeing results from it, so that's what counts. But anyway, this lady came in, and he told her, he said, you've got to, you've got to do this, you've got to, you've got to, okay, you're going, her blood pressure was out of whack, her cholesterol was out of whack, everything was going crazy, and he told her, okay, I want you to, you know, water from now on, I want you raw fruits and vegetables for the next two weeks, I want you to get up and walk. She was so mad at him, so mad at him. I mean, I thought, oh, Lord, it's a good thing that woman doesn't have a gun in her pocket right now because she'd be shot him by now. You could tell she was mad. But you know what? She actually went home and did it. Three months later, she came back. She was like 30 or 40 pounds lighter. She was walking like a mile and a half a day. Her cholesterol was down. Her blood pressure was down. She was off with all kinds of medications. It was wonderful. Listen, don't make a doctor have to tell you these things. There's the, the spirit on the inside of you has got some wisdom, has got some leading from the Holy Ghost, who's got the wisdom of the Father. He made your body. He knows how it works better than anybody. And he's going to tell you and help you get it back where it needs to be. He shouldn't have to come at you and say, well, if you don't do this, you're going to wind up as a diabetic. Just do what he says do. Do it because he's leading you to do it. And don't say, oh, it's no big deal. If God's talking to you, it is a big deal. So stewardship of all these things, they come to us every single day. How are we going to steward ourselves in all these different areas? And there's more than these. I could have written down a whole bunch more. But there's more areas. I want you to look at every part of your life as something that's been entrusted to you by God and that you would take what he's given to you in all those areas and become the best stewards of those areas. Opportunities will come to challenge us in all these areas, but these are opportunities for us to demonstrate the good stewardship of the blessings he's given At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.